0: Leadership file on premiere Welcome to the show which helps you lead where God has placed you I'm Andy Peck Every now and again leadership literature uses long words that are incredibly important This week we're looking at one such the word is contextualization. It's important for any leader, and especially those seeking to communicate the unchanging message of the gospel into cultures that are not their own. This is, of course, true for the cross-cultural church planter working in another country, but also any leader working in a culture less well known to them, which could be in the same town or city, or within a mindset that's unfamiliar, such as an age group different from their own. Well, to discuss contextualisation, I'm joined this week by Andy McCulloch who is the author of Global Humility-Attitudes for Mission and knows what it means to immerse himself in other cultures. So welcome back, Andy, to The Leadership File. Thanks, Andy. It's good Good, to be here. Good to have you again. So just remind us a little bit about the cultural context that you've been in and how you got involved yourself in church planting.
1: Yeah, I was born and grew up in Cyprus. Uh, My parents are British, uh, so I was already confused. (laughs) Uh, Then I moved to the UK. I met my wife in London, who's from South Africa. Uh, we've been involved in church planting in multicultural West London, where our children were born. Uh, but then we've moved to the Middle East and we've been involved in church planting in a large city in an unreached people in the Middle East. Uh, and so my kids are like, are we from Cyprus? Are we from South Africa? Are we from London? Are we from the Middle East? So we're a very confused family, but quite multicultural.
0: Okay. And, and your, uh, your children, obviously English speaking, do they speak other languages as well?
1: Yeah, yeah. So when we were living in Turkey, uh, they went to Turkish school uh so my kids can speak turkish and english yeah
0: okay good stuff okay so um i mean the topic of contextualization if i can say it word contextualization is a big one and your book covers uh, many elements we can only get so far in a 25-minute a conversation but perhaps you could summarize the challenge we face in communicating the gospel into context which may not understand
1: yeah so if you look at the world, the big difference, one of the big differences between Christianity and something like Islam is that uh, there is such a thing as a Muslim culture or a Muslim country. And you, you, all the way from Morocco through to Indonesia, uh, you can tell someone's Muslim. They all pray in Arabic. Uh, prayer is often very similar. It, you know, So there's a kind of uniformity. Whereas the Christian world is not like that. Churches in Africa are very different from churches in Finland or churches in India. We worship with our heart language. We don't have to pray in Greek or Latin. Uh, and so because of that, Christianity has a a natural diversity in it. And that's that's good. That's right. You know, part of the Protestant Reformation that we're celebrating uh, 500 years of was about translation, wasn't it? And the right to have an English Bible and to preach in English. Um, And so that is an intrinsic and really important part of Christian life.
0: And, of course, Wycliffe Wycliffe Bible translators are working hard to ensure, and not just Wycliffe but others, to ensure that people have the language in their heart language, You know, even if they may speak another more well-known tongue.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Recently we celebrated uh, International Heart Language Day, which (laughs) affirms that very human right or principle, and it's hugely important for Christians. So for us working in Turkey... You're never trying to do an English-speaking church. It's got to be a Turkish-speaking church. But even if Turkish people speak English, uh, they need to receive the gospel in their heart language because that's where their loyalties and their affections and their emotions live. And that's where you want the gospel to impact people's lives.
0: But, of course, there's, a, there's another dimension of contextualization. That is that we, we have to understand the Bible's language and culture as it's communicated to us. So we have to translate that do the job as, as communicators um and know what is timeless about that and what is cultural about what was said
1: yeah absolutely and it's really interesting because different authors in the bible and different sections of the bible have different emphases so if you took um what should be a christian attitude to authority to government yeah uh, well if you read romans 12 and if you read revelation 12 they're almost opposite to each other in romans 12 it's you know that the roman authorities are good and you should submit to them and they're appointed by god in revelation 12 it calls them the beast and 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 they're demonic and so because the context is different uh, the roman empire was doing different things at different times and so even new testament authors were writing into their context in a specific way to try and help people in their context relate to god in a godly way
0: now and uh you I think you talk about in a book about um, different cultures and the way they've responded to the gospel. So in some cultures, I think you talked about a mission conference or something where 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 in one place smoking was 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 kind of fine. in another context, actually that was the last thing you should be doing as a Christian, for example.
1: Absolutely. I think that uh, so there's a section in the book called Moral Humility, which mm-hmm. talks about, you know, sin in different contexts. You know, so in English we would say bribery is always wrong, uh, but we've only got the one word for it, bribery, and it's kind of emotionally, it's a bad word, you know. Whereas if you live in many other countries, there's so many different words to do with friendship and making the system work and a relationship with authorities and all the rest of it. And so it's a lot more nuanced. And like with anything, when you're far away looking at something, you can be really black and white, but the closer you get, the more nuanced right and wrong seem to be sometimes. And that's part of entering and learning and trying to understand your context.
0: Now, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've got it right many times, but I wonder if you could illustrate situations that, that might have gone better. Oh, no, I've got it wrong
1: plenty of times. <laughs> uh, absolutely. So I think, uh, so for us uh, in Istanbul, the first church that we were planting, we thought, what kind of venue should we rent? And we thought, well, in the UK, you try and have a really unchurchy looking venue when you're church planting, you know, so we rented this place and it was kind of bright lights and nice modern colours. And we tried to make it really look not like a church because uh, we thought that would attract people and when the first few people came to faith with us and it's mostly through people seeing dreams or visions of Jesus that they mm-hmm. get in touch with the church we, 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 you see that a lot when well, you're working amongst Muslims okay. and um, the first few people that came to faith with us after a while they said do you mind if we change what the building <laughs> looks like <laughs> it feels like a hospital it's like brightly lit and all that okay. it doesn't feel like a religious building so we said of course it's your You know, it's your mm-hmm. church so so uh, Gave the guys some budget and came back and it was kind of dim lighting Stained-glass windows big cross on the wall candles Silver trays for the Lord Supper. you know just gone really traditional and the Turkish guys were going this is this now this feels like a Religious building and so you just think "Wow, isn't that interesting in the UK You'd probably try and push away Mm. from the religious thing whereas some somewhere like that actually a building like that helps people to experience God
0: The need for contextualisation is most pronounced in cross-cultural situations, of course. But obviously many, many listeners are not imagining that they're going to be particularly going to another country like you. Um, uh, But I wonder if we could talk a little bit about um, the need to listen to our culture. Um, Not just a classically different culture like you were in West London, but also necessarily a different age culture. Um maybe listening to young people if you're trying to reach them or, or even an older uh, person who may be outside of your sphere of un- understanding.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm newly back in the UK, so I'm still in the listening yes. phase. Uh, but, you know, we always say Jesus spent 30 years listening and three years talking. And James says we should be quick to listen and slow to speak and so I think it's always got to be like that when you so often we turn up and we say hi I've got all the answers and people go hang on we didn't even ask you a question yet (laughs) and that's true if you land in a council estate and you want to plant and you just think we've turned up and we've we've started talking and people are going hang on you need to listen Uh, but that's definitely true across different kinds of cultural barriers in the UK so I think churches in the UK that have significant ethnic minority communities in their area so often there's still this attractional thing of, can we get people to come to our Sunday? And just because you've got a, a wheelchair ramp, it doesn't make, or a good website, it doesn't make you accessible. You know, so often your Sunday meeting might be culturally or emotionally inaccessible for a Bangladeshi or someone yeah. from Somalia. And so, it, it you know, often we they talk about uh, you you need to contextualize more to people who are more unreached. Okay. So in other words, if there's significantly unreached communities in your town, then how do you go to where they are? Don't wait for them to come to where you are and, and do something that is relevant and appropriate to them. Mm-hmm. So in our town, we've got Kurdish people. I'm living in Reading at the moment, K- Kurdish community there. Uh, for those kind of guys to come to faith, it's not going to happen through coming to our Sunday meeting. You've got to go to where they are, eat food with them, drink with them, talk with them, and see people come to faith almost on their own cultural terms, because that celebrates what we believe about the Incarnation anyway.
0: And you were in West London as well. That was your first church planting um, experience, uh, and amongst a, a number of differing cultures. Are you, did you go for the Let's Weach A, a an, um a group shall we say as opposed to all of them or do you have to come to some sort of common denominator of your kind of approach
1: well it depends what you're called to do doesn't it so um, but that church uh, the crown church in Hillingdon is actually a really multicultural church it's one of the best multicultural churches that I know today actually and there doesn't seem to be a kind of majority culture there whether it's music style or the way they do food or the way that they gather in small groups Um, and so you can do multicultural church of course you can um, but uh, it, it takes a lot of thinking about how do different people experience God. And so you asked about young people, You know, we've both got teenagers, haven't we? And I think young people speak a really different language. They're asking different questions. Our gospel, and this would be controversial, but true. Uh, our gospel is often about forgiveness for guilt. Uh, a lot of young people aren't asking, what do I do with my guilt? But they're asking, what do I do with my shame? And, you know, with social media, shaming, uh, how you feel in the public it's such a big thing now. And so churches need to understand that Jesus also died for people's shame and that there's an atonement for shame and being able to preach to young people in that way is different.
0: Yeah. I took my boys to a, an apologetics conference reboot, um, and which was great. But th- their comment to me was, Dad, well, that's all very well, but my friends are not asking me anything about faith i mean they they admit to being believers but they're not you know they're not evangelists as such but you know but they're they're openly you know church attending but people don't care they're not Mm. criticizing they're not persecuting them they're just not bothered they're apathetic yeah you know and that's a different world to the one we might imagine maybe 30 years ago
1: Absolutely, and I think the other thing with postmoderns, shall mm. we say, is uh, they're very multisensory. So traditionally, evangelicalism uses only one of the five senses. You know, music and preaching—it's all about the ear. Yeah. Um, Whereas postmoderns, they want to experience and feel in different ways, and God gave us lots of senses. So churches that are doing well reaching young people, for example, uh, you know, doing better with visuals, with lighting, with experience, with uh, kind of the, 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 and it's not just kind of clever marketing, that's acknowledging that God made us multi-sensory people, and that different people encounter God through different senses and in different ways.
0: You're listening to the leadership farm with me andy peck i'm joined this week by andy mcculloch we're looking particularly at the context uh, the, the the topic of contextualization uh, and off the back particularly of his uh, book global humility and we'll be back just after this welcome back to the leadership farm with me andy peck i'm joined this week by andy mcculloch uh, andy is uh, the author of global humility colon Attitudes for Mission. he's worked cross-culturally himself grew up in a Uh, cross-cultural context and uh, we've been talking about contextualization how we take the unchanging message of the gospel uh, to other people groups and the leadership implications of all that i'm really saying that this is something that not doesn't just happen cross-culturally in terms of another country but also within our uh, our own land of uh, if you're in the uk listening to this or wherever you are but also um communicating across the age bands uh, as well so andy of course the the liberal wing of the christian church has has perhaps typically listened only too well (laughs) and some of some would say capitulated and ignore the plain teaching of scripture because they want to be like the culture um i wonder if as as you've been working cross-culturally have you ever been tempted to accommodate when faced with a uh, issues in a culture which could make your teaching unpopular
1: yeah, it's a real challenge, isn't it? Because I think obviously part of the Christian message is confronting cultural sin and calling people to repentance. Um, but I think there's a difference between what an insider can do and what an outsider can do. So as an outsider in the culture, when you've moved somewhere and you're living there cross-culturally, um, you are actually certainly, until you gain an acceptance and a hearing and build those relational bridges, you uh, There's a limit to what you can do. And actually, that's right. You can't just turn up and start judging people. Um, And I think you look at Paul in Ephesus and there's this, you know, in, in ancient Ephesus, there's this massive temple of Artemis up on the hill. And Paul was preaching there every day for like three years. And at the end, when they arrest him and they're dragging him out in front of everyone, they say, this man never blasphemed our goddess. And that's amazing. He was there for three years and he never pointed up and said, your goddess is rubbish. And I think for me, working amongst Muslims, I never have the right to criticize what they believe. That's not my job. My job isn't to show them that what they believe is wrong. My job is to show them how beautiful Jesus is and how coherent the scriptures are and let people make their own decision. When Muslims come to faith, Muslim background believers uh, end up taking a whole spectrum of positions on what they thought about Islam. And some, you know, some very extreme positions, but some a lot more honoring. But as a guest, you never have the right to criticize the host. And so that's that's the argument in the book, really, is that we must approach people with humility, with a sense of honor and respect. Um, and of course, there will come times when people come to faith and you're making disciples that you have to confront cultural sin and help people through that. Um, but. there is a limit as an outsider to what you can do and often it's local people or the second generation third generation believers that actually end up confronting those
0: issues and I guess you're doing so as as someone who's you know a fellow fellow sinner in a sense um, who's under the same scriptures as they are and you're facilitating their understanding so in a sense you're both standing side by side you're not above them preaching down to them but you're both saying look how do we understand the scriptures here how can I help you appreciate what your how you respond to what scripture says
1: and the amazing thing about reading the bible with people in the middle east is they get it quicker than you do. Is that right? <laughs> so because it's, re- it's a Middle Eastern book, yeah? And a lot of the New Testament was written in Turkey or two yeah, churches yeah, in yeah. Turkey. Yeah. You know, seven churches of Revelation, they're in Turkey. Yeah, Paul yeah. was from Turkey. Yeah. Uh, and so actually, if you read the New Testament with a Turkish person, mm-hmm. um, they will see things that your 10 commentaries on your shelf never showed you. <laughs> and that's the beauty of, of yeah. reading a Middle Eastern book in the Middle East. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, you're exactly right. We're, we're all under the scriptures together. And we take Jesus' incarnation as a model for me you know entering a new place spending time learning the language living there but actually the big difference is jesus was going from a perfect culture in heaven to a fallen one on earth whereas we're going from one fallen culture to another so part of what we have to do is unlearn some of our cultural stuff you know de-westernize if you like before we then learn new cultural things
0: and you're, I hadn't I appreciated your point, uh, Paul, and the, uh, in Ephesus. I guess he's doing the same thing in, in uh, Athens in Acts 17 when he's, you know, saying, you know, uh, I see an altar to the unknown god. He's he's going along, you know, he's trying to stand with them where they're at in their understanding and saying, you know, I'm trying to proclaim to you the god that you don't know about. Absolutely, and he's, he, that's the classic example,
1: Acts 17, really, of kind of contextual preaching because. Um, the Athenians had a story in which their city had been saved from a crisis uh, by this god and they didn't know his name so they erect this altar to the unknown god you see and so he's able to connect with their story their cultural narrative um, but then fill it out with color and that's that's the beautiful thing about cross-cultural communication is wherever you go in the world uh, people have things that point to Jesus. God has scattered little clues about himself all over the world into all the cultures. And part of it is kind of finding those things and then showing them the, the full meaning of that.
0: Yeah. No doubt there were some, some key folk that you were learning from in, within your cross-cultural context, or did you, how, how lonely was it when you were there?
1: So one of the things that we've always tried to do is send people together as teams. Uh, to learn together, um, and so we we actually moved with um, five families from the UK and the wow. US. Uh, we moved together. We spent a couple of years learning Turkish together, and then we we're involved together in okay. planting a church. And then when we've sent other teams to other places, we've we've done that as well. And uh, for us, that's really important because it can be lonely. It can be tough work, or you join the team of someone who's been there for 10 years and already has it all sorted, and then it's just, like, frustrating. You know, so we've always gone, do you go for kind of leader who's a superhero or leader who... who? struggles and goes through that kind of difficult time of culture shock along with you and we think it's better to put everyone in the same boat and, yes. and send them together so yeah
0: I remember talking to one missionary who said that the, the blessings of incompetence as a missionary were actually because the locals would think oh crumbs he's made that error again and they step up to lead, to leadership because because they're a little bit embarrassed and he said it's, it's, it's humbling hence the topic of your book but nevertheless it helps the church to grow
1: yeah absolutely. And it's interesting because I think we have this uh, treasure in jars of clay. Uh, there are no unclay jars. and Jesus never said, "Hey, I send you out like lions with all the answers." He said, "I send you out like lambs amongst wolves." And yeah. so there's always been a uh, kind of a vulnerability and a messiness to to the cross-cultural experience. Yeah.
0: Uh, we've only had a certain amount of time to raise the issues in this conversation um, Andy, but uh, I mean where would you point listeners who wanted to do a bit of further reading on this?
1: Okay, so um, our blog is uh, called to and that's lots of different people living cross-culturally contribute to that blog and so that's um, that's a good place to go. You just hear different people's stories. Um, if there was one book uh, that I could wave at people, it w- it's a book by Richards and O'Brien. And it's called "Misreading Scripture Through Western Eyes," right. and again, it just touches on the fact that you know the Bible was written in the Middle East. That reading the Bible is a cross-cultural exercise, and it, it helps you think about some of the kind of cross-cultural things that happen even as you're reading your Bible. It's a really, it's a really good book.
0: So, Richard and O'Brien, misreading,
1: misreading Scripture through Western eyes, through
0: Western eyes, and uh, to dot com. Yep, is the uh, is a blog. Excellent, good stuff. Um, and obviously, how can listeners get a copy of your book?
1: Yeah, so it's available on Amazon uh, in the UK and in the US, uh, both on Kindle, so the ebook, and then also a paperback version. Wonderful.
0: So the um, the title, again, uh, if you're getting looking for a pen, is uh, Global Humility. At, um, and then it's, uh, it's actually a hy- hyphen, not a um, uh, colon, not a hyphen, as I said earlier, Attitudes for Mission. And the author is Andy McCulloch. Uh, that's... Uh, big M, small C, big C, U, double L, O, U, G, H. So it's been fascinating, Andy, to uh, hear your story and for you to share this a very complicated topic of contextualization, but in a very simple fashion. So thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you, Luke, for listening. Uh, do um, log on to Premier's own website to listen to archive uh, versions of leadership file. If you've got topics that um, are troubling you as a leader, or perhaps uh, you think would be valuable for us to look at uh, or even um, people I could interview who you think would be make, make for good guests then uh, please do email me the email comes at the end of the um uh, show APEC at CWR.org.uk. I, I will apply to every email that I receive. And uh, some of the people that have been on the show have been people that have been suggested by listeners just like you. And some of the topics looked at have been suggested again by listeners just like you. So do interact as best you can. Um, and as you seek to lead wherever God has placed you, uh, whether that be in the church or charity or commercial world or in your uh, own family or in the um, uh, networks that god has uh, placed you in it's been good to have your company do uh, tune in again next sunday at 3 30